Part Two, Chapter Six of the Valley of Fear. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Valley of Fear by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Chapter Six Danger. It was the height of the reign of terror. McMurdo, who had already been appointed inner deacon, with every prospect of some day succeeding McGinty as body-master, was now so necessary to the counsels of his comrades that nothing was done without his help and advice. The more popular he became, however, with the freemen, the blacker were the scowls which greeted him as he passed along the streets of Remissa. In spite of their terror, the citizens were taking heart to band themselves together against their oppressors. Rumors had reached the lodge of secret gatherings in the Herald's office, and of distribution of firearms among the law-abiding people. But McGinty and his men were undisturbed by such reports. They were numerous, resolute, and well-armed. Their opponents were scattered and powerless. It would all end, as it had done in the past, in aimless talk, and possibly in impotent arrests. So said McGinty, McMurdo, and all the bolder spirits. It was a Saturday evening in May. Saturday was always the lodge night, and McMurdo was leaving his house to attend it, when Morris, the weaker brother of the order, came to see him. His brow was creased with care, and his kindly face was drawn and haggard. "'Can I speak with you freely?' "'Mr. McMurdo?' "'Sure.' "'I can't forget that I spoke my heart to you once, "'and that you kept it to yourself, "'even though the boss himself came to ask you about it.' "'What else could I do if you trusted me? "'It wasn't that I agreed with what you said.' "'I know that well. "'But you are the one that I can speak to and be safe. "'I've a secret here.' "'He put his hand to his breast.' "'and it is just burning the life out of me. "'I wish it had come to any one of you but me. "'If I tell it, it will mean murder, for sure. "'If I don't, it may bring the end of us all. "'God help me, but I am near out of my wits over it.' "'McMurdo looked at the man earnestly. "'He was trembling in every limb. "'He poured some whiskey into a glass and handed it to him.' "'That's the physic for the likes of you,' said he. "'Now let me hear of it.' Morris drank, and his white face took a tinge of color. "'I can tell it to you all in one sentence,' said he. "'There's a detective on our trail.' McMurdo stared at him in astonishment. "'Why, man, you're crazy,' he said. "'Isn't the place full of police and detectives?' "'And what harm did they ever do us?' "'No, no, it's not a man of the district. "'As you say, we know them, and it is little that they can do. "'But you've heard of Pinkertons?' "'I've read of some folk of that name.' "'Well, you can take it from me. "'You've no show when they are on your trail. "'It's not a take-it-or-miss-it government concern. "'It's a dead-earnest business proposition that's out for results.' and keeps out till, by hook or crook, it gets them. If a Pinkerton man is deep in this business, we are all destroyed. 
We must kill him. Ah, it's the first thought that came to you. So it will be up at the lodge. Didn't I say to you that it would end in murder? Sure, what is murder? Isn't it common enough in these parts? It is indeed. But it's not for me to point out the man that is to be murdered. I'd never rest easy again. And yet it's our own necks that may be at stake. In God's name, what shall I do? He rocked to and fro in his agony of indecision. But his words had moved McMurdo deeply. It was easy to see that he shared the other's opinion as to the danger and the need for meeting it. He gripped Morris's shoulder and shook him in his earnestness. "'See here, man!' he cried, and he almost screeched the words in his excitement. "'You won't gain anything by sitting keening like an old wife at a wake. Let's have the facts. Who is the fellow? Where is he? How did you hear of him? Why did you come to me?' "'I came to you, for you are the one man that would advise me.' I told you that I had a store in the east before I came here. I left good friends behind me, and one of them is in the telegraph service. Here's a letter that I had from him yesterday. It's this part from the top of the page. You can read it yourself. This is what McMurdo read. How are the scourers getting on in your parts? We read plenty of them in the papers. Between you and me, I expect to hear news from you before long five big corporations, and the two railroads have taken the thing up in dead earnest. They mean it, and you can bet they'll get there. They are right deep down into it. Pinkerton has taken holds under their orders, and his best man, Bertie Edwards, is operating. The thing has got to be stopped right now. Now read the postscript. Of course, what I give you is what I learned in business. So it goes no further. It's a queer cipher that you handle by the yard every day, and can get no meaning from. McMurdo sat in silence for some time, with the letter in his listless hands. The mist had lifted for a moment, and there was the abyss before him. "'Does anyone else know of this?' he asked. "'I have told no one else.' But this man, your friend, has he any other person that he would be likely to write to? Well, I dare say he knows one or two more. Of the lodge? It's likely enough. I was asking because it is likely that he may have given some description of this fellow, Bertie Edwards. Then we could get on his trail. Well, it's possible, but I should not think he knew him. He is just telling me the news came to him by way of business. How would he know this Pinkerton man? McMurdo gave a violent start. By gar! he cried. I've got him! What a fool I was not to know it! Lord, but we're in luck! We will fix him before he can do any harm. See here, Morris. Will you leave this thing in my hands? Sure, if you will only take it off mine. I'll do that. You can stand right back and let me run it. Even your name needs not be mentioned. I'll take it all on myself, as if it were to me that this letter has come. Will that content you? It's just what I would ask. 
then leave it at that and keep your head shut. Now I'll get down to the lodge, and we'll soon make old man Pinkerton sorry for himself. You wouldn't kill this man. The less you know, friend Morris, the easier your conscience will be, and the better you will sleep. Ask no questions, and let these things settle themselves. I have hold of it now. Morris shook his head sadly as he left. I feel that his blood is on my hands, he groaned. Self-protection is no murder anyhow, said McMurdo, smiling grimly. It's him or us. I guess this man would destroy us all if we left him long in the valley. Why, Brother Morris, we'll have to elect you body-master yet, for you've surely saved the lodge. And yet it was clear from his actions that he thought more seriously of this new intrusion than his words would show. It may have been his guilty conscience, it may have been the reputation of the Pinkerton organization, it may have been the knowledge that great, rich corporations had set themselves the task of clearing out the scourers. But, whatever his reason, his actions were those of a man who was preparing for the worst. Every paper which would incriminate him was destroyed before he left the house. After that he gave a long sigh of satisfaction, for it seemed to him that he was safe. And yet the danger must still have pressed somewhat upon him, for on his way to the lodge he stopped at old man Shafter's. The house was forbidden him, but when he tapped at the window, Etty came out to him. The dancing Irish deviltry had gone from her lover's eyes. She read his danger in his earnest face. "'Something has happened,' she cried. "'Oh, Jack, you were in danger!' "'Sure, it is not very bad, my sweetheart, and yet it may be wise that we make a move before it is worse.' "'Make a move?' "'I promised you once that I would go some day.' I think the time is coming. I had news to-night. Bad news. And I see trouble coming. The police? Well, a Pinkerton. But sure, you wouldn't know what that is, Akushla, nor what it may mean to the likes of me. I'm too deep in this thing, and I may have to get out of it quick. You said you would come with me if I went. Oh, Jack, it would be the saving of you. I'm an honest man in some things, Eddie. I wouldn't hurt a hair of your bonny head for all that the world can give, nor ever pull you down one inch from the golden throne above the clouds where I always see you. Would you trust me? She put her hand in his without a word. Well, then listen to what I say and do as I order you, for indeed it's the only way for us. Things are going to happen in this valley— I feel it in my bones. There may be many of us that will have to look out for ourselves. I'm one, anyhow. If I go, by day or night, it's you that must come with me. I'd come after you, Jack. No, no, you shall come with me. If this valley is close to me, and 